For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, July 14th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Scattered showers, thunderstorms today. Some gusty winds. Could see some hail, too. So it's going to be kind of a all over the place day the high 83 weekend uh, well saturday mostly cloudy stray showers possible high 86 and then sunday thunderstorms in the morning then a chance of an afternoon shower high 86 if you're walking out the door with us right now 77 and cloudy and i slip out on long island 76 and partly cloudy down in cranberry new jersey and it is 74 and cloudy here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Sid and friends in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning. Sad to see this uh, latest piece of news about Lisa Marie Presley. Maybe you missed this yesterday. But now they're saying there was so much uh, chatter after she suddenly died of a heart attack that it had to do with something with her longtime drug addiction. But Apparently, she had been clean for a while. Now they're saying Lisa Marie Presley died from a small bowel obstruction. And it may have been connected to the fact that she had had some sort of procedure, a weight loss procedure, a contributing factor in all of that, which makes the story even more incredibly sad. 54 years old. Uh, maybe a procedure she didn't need. We don't know all the details. I imagine they'll come out. But you'll remember uh, she died rushed by paramedics to um, from her Calabasas home. This was back in uh, January 12th, uh, now buried at Graceland, uh, right near her father. And um, I had a moment, it was about 11 years ago, she had a single out. It was called uh, Lights out and she came to WABC. Oh, here's what the single sounded like. Yeah, so uh, I got to interview her when she was on the, um, you know, promoting that single, which I thought was a great single, by the way. And sometimes you do have these moments where you hit it off with people who you're interviewing. And I felt it right away, but I wasn't sure if it was a one-sided thing. Well, when it was over, she invited me out with her and her agent for lunch. And so it got to hang out with Lisa Marie Presley for a couple hours. Boy, just a total sweetheart. 
and uh, so much more than they portrayed in the press. And and they really besmirched her character when she died, uh, automatically assuming it was a drug overdose. That was not the case. No drugs in her system at all. Uh, Of course, she just died days after appearing on the red carpet for the Golden Globes and just ahead of the Oscars where Elvis, that biopic about her father's life, was nominated. And, of course, the tragically sad part is she leaves behind three kids. But now they say no drugs likely related to some sort of weight loss procedure that she has. Either way, just tragically sad. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. We are hearing more about that deadly road rage incident on the Upper East Side. Another day of tears in Newark. Flooded out homeowners in the Hudson Valley may not get a lot of help. Long Island cops don't know why a body was found on the side of a highway. And actors are walking the picket line this morning. All right, let's get into it. 504, just going to be another tearful day in Newark, New Jersey. Today, family, friends, first responders going to say goodbye to the second of two firefighters killed when they were battling that cargo ship blaze in Newark last Wednesday. Yesterday was the funeral for Augusto Akabu, one of those firefighters. Newark Mayor Ross Baraka, one of the many to pack the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred heart to say goodbye he was brave is an understatement to say he was a hero still falls short of what i saw that evening firefighters all over new jersey all over the nation coming to honor the life of akabu fellow firefighters friends speaking out we close our eyes and bow our heads collectively as one city knowing that this man that we laid to rest here today was one of the very best amongst us Newark Public Safety Director, another one of the people who spoke at the funeral. He was a man who was very easy to love. He was someone who had a God-given gift of making people laugh and smile, as everyone stated. And as is the case with so many of these firefighter funerals, especially in this tragic one where they got caught amid this cargo ship, were not able to get their way out, their bodies were found later. Firefighters from all over the state, all over the nation, who did not know either of these two Newark firefighters, came to say their goodbyes as well. It makes you sick to your stomach and it really gets you really depressed. It's, it's a bad feeling when a brother firefighter passes it's a family, a brotherhood, and a sisterhood. Uh, we want to make sure that we represent our brothers and their families and make sure that we're there for their time of need. Andrew uh, drove up from Millstone, New Jersey. He's a firefighter there. He came for the funeral as well. It's a family, a brotherhood, and a sisterhood. Uh, we want to make sure that we represent our brothers and their families and make sure that we're there for their time of need. Yeah, so the pain will continue today. Second firefighter killed in that cargo ship blaze, Wayne Brooks Jr., going to be remembered during a service again at the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart. Uh, This morning, no doubt, it'll be the same thing. The streets will be lined. Uh, The Basilica will be packed with people who want to say their goodbyes to these two, to the second of these two firefighters killed in that cargo ship blaze last Wednesday. WABC News Time 58. Let's go down to D.C. The Secret Service closing its investigation into the discovery of cocaine at the White House after failing to identify who may have dropped off that baggie or just lost their baggie. Georgia Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene says the investigation in her mind is just totally incomplete. This was a failure of this investigation to not perform a drug test on these people. Uh, This list of approximately 500 potential suspects. 
Uh, Secret Service says it was unable to single out a person of interest from hundreds of individuals who passed through the West Executive Avenue entrance where the cocaine baggie was found. Maryland Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin says he believes the Secret Service investigation doesn't think there should be anything more done. I'm satisfied it's a thorough investigation. And I just kept imagining what it would be like here if cocaine was found someplace. Ari Fleischer, who was President George W. Bush's White House spokesman, he was on Fox last night. I thought this was interesting. He said the Secret Service is there to protect the president, not to be the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency. And he says the DEA should have been involved in this investigation. The Secret Service's job is to protect the president of the United States, his life. It is not to be the Drug Enforcement Administration. So it doesn't surprise me if the Secret Service, from their point of view, says it's over. They couldn't find the print, the fingerprints or DNA, and there's no threat to the president's life. But if you're Joe Biden or you're the White House chief of staff, you should be the ones demanding that your staff take drug tests. You should be mm-hmm. the ones upset that there was cocaine in the White House. And that's why I say this does not need to be over. They could bring in the DEA and say, we want to get to the bottom of this. So, yes, from a Secret Service point of view, I get it. But from the Biden White House they should now say we need to kick this into a different gear. Testing failed to reveal sufficient DNA or fingerprint evidence and surveillance camera footage apparently was reviewed but produced no leads. So for the Secret Service, they say this investigation is over. 510, let's stay in Washington. A pair of IRS whistleblowers claiming the Justice Department slow-walked its investigation into Hunter Biden will publicly now testify before Congress next week. IRS investigator Gary Shapley and a second unnamed individual will appear before the House Oversight Committee Wednesday. Shapley told lawmakers the president's son received preferential treatment in his tax and gun case and claimed DOJ officials refused to follow evidence that may have implicated President Biden. Hunter Biden last month reached a plea deal with prosecutors that would require guilty pleas on two misdemeanor tax charges. I'm Brian Shook. Let's stay in D.C. Jared Kushner meeting with the grand jury investigating the aftermath of the 2020 election. Reports say that former President Trump's son-in-law testified in recent weeks along with former Trump aide Hope Hicks. The grand jury is hearing evidence about the January the 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol and the efforts to overturn the results of the election. According to the New York Times, Kushner testified that Trump truly believed that the election had been stolen. I'm Mark Mayfield. 5-11, President Biden calling out Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville for blocking hundreds of military nominations over the Pentagon's abortion policy. The idea that we're injecting into fundamental foreign policy decisions what, in fact, as a domestic social debate on social issues, is bizarre. Biden calling Tuberville's protests ridiculous. He says Republicans need to stand up to him. I expect the Republican Party to stand up and do something about it. They, they've in their power to do that. Yes, yeah, so usually military promotions are routinely approved by Congress, but Tuberville has held up the nominations over the Defense Department's policy that covers travel costs for service members seeking abortions if they're in states where you cannot get one. I'd be willing to talk to him if I thought there was any possibility of him changing this ridiculous position he has. He's jeopardizing U.S. security by what he's doing. 
Uh, not clear if that conversation will ever happen. 513 up to Vermont, where Vermont's governor touring areas of his state. Hardest hit by flooding this week. It was bad there. Once in a lifetime flooding at the Woodstock Farmers Market. Uh, Amelia was there shopping yesterday. She said the last 72 hours have just been a roller coaster ride. From the time we got the news that the uh, parking lot was beginning to flood to the time when about 12 hours later we uh, we were evacuated. The governor came away shocked by how widespread the flooding was. Stopped to speak with residents in his hometown of Bear yesterday. Says it pains to see the burden of flooding has caused so many people in Vermont. We watched the water rise. We did what we could to get product off lower shelves onto higher shelves and just secure the building as best we could. Less than 18 hours later, the parking lot was filled with volunteers wearing their Woodstock Farmers Market t-shirts. Our staff was here. Everybody turned out with their boots on, shovels, saying, what can we do to help? Yeah, trying to get back to work, to just mud everywhere. And while we're talking about flooding, of course, the Hudson Valley hit hard on Sunday. More than seven inches of rain falling just at West Point alone. New York State officials visiting some of the hardest hit areas of Rockland County yesterday. Make sure neighbors there know how to get help they need following that flooding. Shane O'Flaherty, he's among some of the homeowners in Stony Point. Stony Point hit really hard, whose property was flooded. He's been denied claims by his insurance company. We called, we tried, but yeah, as soon as we said this, if the house burned down, it would have been all right. If I let the washing machine on for too long, it would have been fine. But no, Repres- representatives from the State Department of Financial Services in Stony Point to answer neighbors insurance related questions, direct them how to file claims with the National Flood Insurance Program. Pam Campos, she's one of them. She came with pictures of damage to her house. We don't know if our houses are structurally sound because of that swift moving water that was underneath. Uh, We need somebody to look at it. Um, Our air conditioners need to be looked at because they were submerged underwater. It is just still a mess. Rockland, Dutchess, Orange counties all way long. Officials in Rockland and Orange have been assessing the damage, tallying up the amounts needed to qualify. It's in the tens of millions. They'll go to FEMA and see if they can get help there. In the meantime, crews have been working to make repairs with the threat of rain and more flooding because we're going to get some serious showers later today. So let's hope maybe it steers clear of the Hudson Valley and they get a little chance, more chance to clean up that mess that's there. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Friday. Good morning to you, Gnome Layden. We'll begin here. Uh, just a quick update on what's going on over at Wimbledon. The women's finalists were decided yesterday. They'll consist of Czech Republic's Marketa Vondrasova and Tunisia's Ons Japur. Uh, that final will take place tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The men's semifinals will get underway later this morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time between Yannick Sinner of Italy and Novak Djokovic out of Serbia. Uh, later on at 10.30 a.m., it'll be Spain's Carlos Alcaraz going up against Russia's Daniil Medvedev. So we'll have finalists decided later on this morning. Tonight, baseball returns for its second half as both the Mets and Yanks look to come out of the gate firing. The Yanks will send Carlos uh, Rodon out there against Austin Gomber and the Rockies in Colorado tonight at 8.40 p.m. in the first of three against the Rocks. The Bombers begin their second half eight games back in the division at 49-42 overall, but just one game back of Toronto for the final 80-hour wildcard spot. As for the Mets, they open up at home against the L.A. Dodgers tonight. 
tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Justin Verlander will get the ball going up against LA's Julio Urias, uh, with the Mets currently 18 and a half games back in the division and seven games back of the final NL wild card spot. Great news for Jets fans to get to as well here with Gang Green locking up all pro defensive tackle, Quinnen Williams, with a four-year, $96 million contract extension that includes $66 million guaranteed. It's the largest guarantee in franchise history. Surpassing linebacker C.J. Mosley's $51 million as a free agent in 2019. Williams, still only 25, had one year remaining on his rookie contract. He's now signed through the 2027 season, so they lock up the big man. Here is sports on 77 WABC Gnome. I'm Justin Owen. 520. Hundreds of police officers continuing to search for that escaped inmate who has been, they think, in the rugged wooded area of Pennsylvania near the prison that he escaped from. The manhunt for escaped prisoner Michael Burham has stretched past the one-week mark as the fugitive, who is considered dangerous, has been on the run since last Thursday when he busted out of a Pennsylvania jail through the roof. Burham has survivalist skills per police, and officials say after watching surveillance camera video, he looked like a spider while escaping. Burham's former girlfriend said he's smart and loves to strategize. I believe that from the minute they caught him, he was probably planning an escape. Investigators believe the homicide and rape suspect had help during his escape. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. The amazing part of that story is they keep coming upon campfires that they're pretty sure... He was sitting at it at some point, but they haven't been able to connect or reach up to him. But yes, James said there, it's those survivalist skills, at least for now, are getting, are making it so he can evade those police. 521. President Biden says he is very serious now about pursuing a prisoner exchange for a Wall Street Journal reporter who's from Princeton, New Jersey. Evan Gershkovich has been detained in Russia for more than 100 days, and the Kremlin previously said it was open to exchanging prisoners. Biden made his most recent comments while speaking at a news conference in Finland, saying the process is already underway. Gershkovich was arrested on espionage charges while on a trip to report, but he has denied those allegations. I'm Lisa Taylor. All right, let's go to Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Tree of Life synagogue shooter eligible for the death penalty. The Jewish Federation of Greater Pittsburgh President Jeff Finkelstein calls the jury's decision just that, a decision. The Federation does not have a position on the death penalty, but this was an act of anti-Semitism. And the defendant deserves to answer for his crime. A grand jury decided Robert Bowers can be sentenced to death after deliberations. Bowers, convicted last month of killing 11 people in the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. That took place back in 2018. The government wants the death penalty for Bowers. And now the jury will hear evidence to decide if Bowers will be sentenced to life or uh, life uh, death, rather, or life in prison. The next phase of the trial, which will allow the families of the victims an opportunity to speak will give them a sense of relief and fulfillment. They are eager to be able to share their feelings during this next phase. 522. Boy, it is hot out west. I mean, we had a couple days of it, but a prolonged heat wave baking the southwest expected to get even hotter. Phoenix Fire Captain Robert McDade says firefighters bracing for a potentially 115-degree day today in Arizona. We have deaths inside of homes 
within the city of Phoenix. And to us, that's just unacceptable. Yesterday, Phoenix posted its 13th straight day of temperatures of at least 110 degrees. Excessive heat shows no signs of letting up. The record for Phoenix is 18 days of 110 degree or higher temperatures. That was set back in the 1970s. And forecasters say they'll likely break that record next week because they see no break. They'll hit 119 over uh, 119 degrees in Palm Springs, California today. That'll be one of the world's hottest spot. Death Valley, of course, which is usually the world's hottest spot or close to it, could be 130 degrees today. Of course, anybody, everybody just wants to be in the air conditioning. We are taking uh, breaks as much as possible in the air conditioning. Yeah. In Florida, the record heat is making things difficult for sea life. When we get near 34, 35 degrees, then you start talking about coral bleaching down in the Keys. Florida International University's Dr. Todd Crow predicts fish will start dying. He says there'll be algae blooms in the Keys. He said it could get ugly over the next few days. When you get temperatures that hot, they, they physiologically just start breaking down. They can't regulate body temperatures and there's no oxygen in the water. We were watching some of this yesterday. Some shallow water of the Everglades National Park sat at 98.1 degrees for more than two hours. That'd be like getting into a warm bathtub. It's quite clear that we're going to start getting little fish kills here and there when we get those kinds of temperatures and, and lack of oxygen. Yeah, that doctor from the university says this is, you know, hot water is just death to marine life. Boy, it's tough to be a fish in South Florida right now. It is. 524. Senate Democrats pushing the Justice Department to protect the right of Americans to travel out of state for abortion. A group of Democrats, including Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, sent a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland this week. They said they're alarmed by efforts in some states to target abortion providers offering care to out-of-state patients. The group requested a briefing later this month from the Justice Department's Reproductive Health Task Force, which was created following the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. I'm Lisa Taylor. And the first over-the-counter birth control pill getting the government green light yesterday. FDA clearing Parisio's once-a-day hormone-based pill. It'll be sold without a prescription, no doctor needed. We allow medicines to be over-the-counter when they are incredibly safe and also that they have an important health benefit for the patients that can reach them without having to go through their doctor first. That's Dr. Colleen Denny. She's head of Family Planning Center at NYU. The company won't start shipping the pill until early next year, but Dr. Denny says this is a huge victory for women everywhere. It's safe for people to use if they are at the age where they need contraception. There hasn't been any data to show that it affects growth. There hasn't been any data to say that it affects hormonal development. And there will be no age restriction when this pill goes on the market next year. 525, uh, sag film and television production grinding to a halt in Hollywood. Uh, by the way, we are all members of sag the on-air people here at 77 WABC, but it is the film and television part of the union that is walking the picket line, not us. The union representing 160,000 actors going on strike. Um, actor Adam Conover says people have to understand that most of Hollywood does not make a lot of money. There's a couple of big movie stars at the top who make a lot of money, but when you turn on your TV and you watch your average show, most of those actors are making a middle-class living. They're just trying to make their mortgage payment that month. The actors joining the Hollywood writers who've been on strike for nearly two and a half months now. It's the biggest entertainment shutdown 
God, it's got to be 40 years. Uh, TV series will dry up in the coming months. The streaming service is going to dry up. Uh, the unions want more compensation and safeguards. Because the AMPTP remains unwilling to offer a fair deal on key issues essential to protecting the livelihoods of working actors and performers, SAG-AFTRA's national board unanimously voted to issue a strike order against the studios and streamers. Now, the Hollywood studios say they've addressed all of the union's concerns and have office generous solutions so they blame the union for walking out and this of course hurts everybody it's not just the actors who won't be working but here in the city so many companies rely on the film studios for their living like catering companies here's a guy who owns a catering company out in queens we have four full-time warehouse employees who have all gone on unemployment we also have a about 35 to maybe up maybe up to 50 employees they're all unemployed. Yeah, so it's not just the actors who will be walking the picket line. SAG after President Fran Drescher, you know, you'll remember from the nanny, she's now the president, says the contract negotiation is accent, uh, essential. Uh, she lashed out at the studios yesterday. We're not going to take this anymore. You people are crazy. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Yeah, so you'll see some of those picket lines here in the city today uh, outside Rockefeller Center. We are just getting started on this early Friday morning. So much more to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. A body found on the Southern State Parkway. Police trying to figure out what that's all about. Shots fired at a Bayonne gas station in what was a wild scene. You know, that um, that deadly um, road rage incident on the Upper East Side. We have more details and we're hearing from one of the families involved and the mayor uh, pushing back against the notion that the city has too much crime. We'll get into that and more. But first, this at 530. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. This is how. The best talk during the week and the weekends. Plus, the best music at night on the weekends. This is how we do it. WABCRadio.com and the 77 WABC app. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Friday, TGIF, July 14th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Scattered showers uh, and thunderstorms today. Could see some gusty winds, even some hail. High 83. Saturday, mostly cloudy. Stray shower possible. High 86. And then Sunday, thunderstorms in the morning. Then a chance of an afternoon shower. High 86. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 77, cloudy in Islip out on Long Island. 76 and partly cloudy in Cranberry down in New Jersey. And it is 74 and scattered clouds here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour out on Long Island along the Southern State Parkway where... A driver noticed something along that roadway, pulled over, and found human skeletal remains. An individual traveling eastbound on the Southern State Parkway got off the off-ramp to the Robert Moses State Parkway southbound and pulled over onto the shoulder of the road 
when something in the wood line caught his eye. The individual believed it to be human skeletal remains. And it was. New York State Police Captain Christopher Cassell there says a driver noticed the remains near the Islip exit. This is currently an ongoing investigation at its onset, and it is too early to tell the identity of the human remains or the involvement of any type of criminality. Neighbors say the discovery made right near a trail where kids typically play. They're not aware of anyone who may have been living in the woods. And it is too early to tell the identity of the human remains or the involvement of any type of criminality. How long has the person been there? It's sad. It's sad. Who is it? What happened? You know, do they have a family? Yeah, a lot of those questions unanswered today, but might be in the coming days. 534. Police fired shots when a man skipped out on a tab at a Bayonne, New Jersey gas station. Gabriel Escobar says he called police when a man took off from the gas station he works at. He gets in his car, puts on his e-brake, he's like, all right, buddy, have a good day. Thank you, good looking. And of course I tell him, I'm like, hey, are you going to pay me? And he just drives off. The driver did not make it very far when cops caught up with him at a nearby Burger King. Witnesses say cops surrounded that car, causing the man to ram into police vehicles before the officers then fired shots in his direction. I didn't expect to wake up this morning to gunshots. Yeah, neighbors saw and heard the whole thing. Everything happened quick, and I never I never crossed my mind this is going to be happening this way, like a movie action. It seems like we're not safe anywhere. And it's sad, but we're not. Yeah, this is in a well-traveled area of Bayonne. The Hudson County Prosecutor's Office investigating the police-involved shooting, but have not said much, only saying that the guy who tried to get out on paying his gas bill was found in Jersey City suffering from a non-life-threatening gunshot wound. All right, 536, let's bring it back here into the city. NYPD cops searching for a group of men after a man was stabbed to death right near Pier 84 here in Manhattan. Uh, Pier 84, if you're not familiar, is in between the Intrepid and the Circle Line sightseeing boats on the west side. The NYPD, they responded to the pier along 12th Avenue near 44th Street about 6 a.m. They found a 35-year-old had been stabbed in the chest while sitting on a park bench. Apparently, he got into some sort of argument with a another man next to him and then a group descended upon him. It's very scary. I have my mom that lives in the area and she's just afraid to go out sometimes. It's really horrible to say it's the new normal, but... Doesn't make me feel great. Uh, I'm not surprised, but it's... uh... Not news you want to hear for sure. We are all watching the surveillance video of the people police say are allegedly involved. Is really clear video. That's them all jumping the turnstile at a subway. Investigators say that one man carried out the stabbing, but four others were involved. Don't have a motive, anything like that yet. Yeah, it's unnerving. I've got kids walking around the city. I, I understand the statistics on major crimes are down, and but... There's a lot of troubled people walking around the streets. Yeah, it's unclear whether the individuals involved in the attack knew the victim prior to stabbing him to death. We'll stay in Manhattan for this story. A man charged with manslaughter in the apparent case of road rage that turned deadly in Manhattan on Wednesday. We told you about this wild story yesterday. The incident began as a fender bender between a Chevrolet pickup truck and a Volkswagen Jetta on East 60th Street about 4 in the afternoon. 
Eyewitnesses say they saw Roberto Velez Alvarez get out of his Chevrolet with a knife, slash two tires on the Volkswagen. The argument apparently escalated further when the Volkswagen's driver, Andre Mosby, stepped on the gas and crashed into a nearby cafe, pinning Velez against the facade of the building. The 56-year-old Alvarez was taken to New York Presbyterian Hospital where he was pronounced dead. Well, yesterday, his family summoned reporters to their apartment to say they never knew Roberto Velez to be an angry guy. They were shocked that he would get involved in a road rage incident, even more shocked that he had a knife on him and used it to pierce the tires of this other driver. My husband was the kindest man in the world. He was so in, he was so so he liked to care about other people. Andre Mosby, the driver of the Volkswagen, remained on the scene, taken into police custody. He told detectives he was acting in self-defense, but has now been charged with manslaughter and assault. And the family of the truck driver say that's a good thing. That's not my husband. The person that they are describing is not my husband. What is your husband? He never yelled back. He never fight back. A woman and three children were in the Volkswagen with Andre Mosby at the time of the dispute. Alvarez's family said he wouldn't fight anyone. They just uh, sitting on this couch, two kids yesterday with the mom, just beside themselves. There was so many plans. There was so many things to do. And he is not here. He's not going to be here. Yeah, 541. New York City Council making a rare move to override the mayor's decision to veto a package of housing bills. The council speaker, Adrian Adams, says members have overwhelmingly voted to waive the 90-day shelter rule for people to become eligible for housing vouchers, raise the income threshold from 20% to 50%, and eliminate work requirements. These bills are the most significant policy reforms to address homelessness within our city in years. But this all comes as New York City shelter systems is completely overrun with migrants. In a statement, Mayor Adams says he's now reviewing further options and next steps. Both sides agree New York State needs to get more aggressive when it comes to building affordable housing in the city. And so I'm pretty proud to stand here today and say, Mr. Mayor, not this time. Yeah, so overriding the mayor yesterday. Speaking of the mayor, blaming the mayor was blaming the media after that new poll came out yesterday that revealed New Yorkers are increasingly worried about crime. The mayor says the media plays with New Yorkers' psyche, but um, when uh, he was questioned on that, uh, well, he said, well, here's what he said. You travel with an armed army in a chauffeur-driven car. Go ride the train, then tell me, without your bodyguards. Oh, so, uh, so the mayor yesterday said, this is, that's somebody from the street, the mayor said that it's the media, us, that's hyping up the crime problem and that the crime problem is not as bad. But people on the street say, no, mayor, we don't feel safe. You travel with an armed army in a chauffeur-driven car. Go ride the train, then tell me, without your bodyguards. The mayor's just... Uh... He's, I don't want to say delusional, but I think he's just putting a political spin on a, on a bad situation. So this was all part of a Siena poll that revealed 41% of New York State residents have never been as concerned about crimes as they are now. 41%, and that's a huge number. The poll revealed 
87% of respondents feel crime is very or somewhat serious problem in the city right now. That's offensive for him to say that. It feels offensive, especially being a person who just had their vehicle stolen from in front of their house. Yeah, she says it's not in her head. She had a robbery right there in front of her house. 543, MTA and union officials testing out platform decals near the conductor's window at the 125th and Lexington Avenue station in hopes that it prevents riders from attacking or spitting on conductors, which has just been just a huge problem over the last five or six years. So if you're in this subway station, there's a spot that says, do not stand here. Uh, Here, I'll let the MTA officials explain why they're setting this up. So the thought process was, if we could create a distance for conductors as a train enters the station, um, where uh, customers do not stand, it it gives a level of comfort to the conductor the decals installed to test whether assaults on conductors would drop if fewer people stood near the cab on the platform where the conductor rolls up. So they're trying this out at the 125th Street station. They will still address customers for customer service. Uh, they will still have to lower the lower the, the window, but it does give them the level of alertness that there might be a potential uh, a thing that they need to be aware of. Now, the conductor's union says, okay, you put a decal on the platform, says do not stand there. If people pay attention to it, ultimately then that would be a good thing. So they're not totally against this idea because anything to keep conductors safe is good by them. I think it's going to make uh, customers aware that this position, you know, should not be crossed. Can it stop anybody? Obviously not because there's only a decal on the floor. But, but uh, the indications I'm getting from the field are that... Uh, People are acknowledging or at least seeing this particular, uh, you know, off-limits area. We did have somebody uh, who was actually at that station yesterday, and they said somebody was standing at the actual point where it says do not stand in this part of the platform. So clearly not all day it's working, but the pilot program at MTA says so far it is working. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Ellis. Thank you, Gnome Layden. Quick update on what's going on over across the pond at Wimbledon. Women's finalists, they were decided yesterday. will consist of Czech Republic's Marketa Bondrusova and Tunisia's Ons Jabur. That final will take place tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. The men's semifinals will get underway later this morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time between Yannick Sinner of Italy and Novak Djokovic of Serbia. Later on at 10.30 a.m., it'll be Spain's Carlos Alcaraz going up against Russia's Daniil Medvedev. And tonight, baseball returns for its second half as both the Mets and Yanks look to come out of the gate firing. The Yanks will send Carlos Rodon out there against Austin Gomber and the Rockies in Colorado tonight at 8.40 p.m. in the first of three against the Rocks. The Bombers begin their second half eight games back in the division at 49-42 overall, but just one game back Toronto for the final AO wildcard spot. As for the Mets, they open up at home against the L.A. Dodgers tonight at 7.10 p.m. Justin Verlander We'll get the ball going up against L.A.'s Julio Urias with the Mets currently 18 and a half games back in the division and 17, or not 17, 7, I should say, games back of the final and a wild card spot. And great news for Jets fans to get to here as well with Gang Green locking up all pro defensive tackle Quinn Williams with a four-year, $96 million contract extension that includes $66 million guaranteed. It's the largest guarantee in franchise history, surpassing linebacker C.J. Mosley's $51 million as a free agent in 2019, Williams. 25, who had one year remaining on his rookie contract. He's now signed 
through the 2027 season. Here with sports on 77 WABC. No, I'm Justin Hall. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. One of them will be in Newark, New Jersey. Another sad day. They will uh, put to rest, lay to rest, uh, the second of two firefighters killed in that cargo ship blaze in Newark last Wednesday. Yesterday was the funeral for the other firefighter, Augusta Akabu. Uh, Mayor Ross Baraka, one of the many, to speak out at this funeral at the Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart. To say Augusto Akabu was brave is an understatement. To say he was a hero still falls short of what I saw that evening. Firefighters from all over New Jersey, all over the country for that matter, came out to honor the life of Akabu. We close our eyes and bow our heads collectively as one city, knowing that this man that we laid to rest here today was one of the very best amongst us. Newark Public Safety Director Fritz uh, Frey says Augusto Akabu loved others more than he loved himself. He was a man who was very easy to love. He was someone who had a God-given gift of making people laugh and smile, as everyone stated. And as is the case in so many of these firefighter funerals around the nation, firefighters who did not know Akabu uh, showed up. It makes you sick to your stomach and it really gets you really depressed. It's it's a bad feeling when a brother firefighter passes. And then regular folk who just want to salute the family, show support, showed up to the church as well. It's a family, a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Uh, we want to make sure that we represent our brothers and their families and make sure that we're there for their time of need. And unfortunately, the pain will continue today when the second firefighter killed in that cargo ship blaze. Wayne Brooks Jr. remembered during a service at the very same cathedral, the Sacred Heart uh, Cathedral Basilica of the Sacred Heart. It's a family, a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Uh, we want to make sure that we represent our brothers and their families and make sure that we're there for their time and need. Of course, we'll have more details on that funeral coming up later this morning. 551, down to D.C., where the Secret Service closing its investigation into the discovery of cocaine at the White House after failing to identify who dropped that baggie. Georgia Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene says the investigation, in her eyes, totally incomplete. This is a failure of this investigation to not perform a drug test on these people. Uh, this list of approximately 500 potential suspects. Secret Service says it was unable to single out a person of interest from hundreds of individuals who had passed through the West Wing where that bag of cocaine was discovered. Maryland Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin says, okay, the investigation's done in his I'm eyes. I'm satisfied it's a thorough investigation and I just kept imagining what it would be like here. Right. If cocaine was found someplace. Interesting last night, Ari Fleischer, remember him? He was President George W. Bush's White House spokesman, or one of them anyway. He was on Fox yesterday and he said Secret Service is there to protect the president, not to be the drug enforcement agency. And he says maybe they should have brought the DEA in to do the investigation. The Secret Service's job is to protect the president of the United States, his life. It is not to be the Drug Enforcement Administration. So it doesn't surprise me if the Secret Service, from their point of view, says it's over. They couldn't find the print, the fingerprints or DNA, and there's no threat to the president's life. But if you're Joe Biden or you're the White House chief of staff, you should be the ones demanding that your staff take drug tests. You should be mm-hmm. the ones upset that there was cocaine in the White House. And that's why I say this does not need to be over. They could bring in the DEA and say, we want to get to the bottom of this. So, yes, from a Secret Service point of view, I get it. But from the Biden White House, 
They should now say, we need to kick this into a different gear. Testing failed to reveal sufficient DNA or fingerprint evidence and surveillance camera footage apparently was reviewed but produced no leads. So as far as the Secret Service is concerned, that investigation is over. And while we're in D.C., a pair of IRS whistleblowers claiming the Justice Department slow-walked its investigation into Hunter Biden will now publicly testify before Congress on Wednesday. IRS investigator Gary Shapley and a second unnamed individual will appear before the House Oversight Committee Wednesday. Shapley told lawmakers the president's son received preferential treatment in his tax and gun case and claimed DOJ officials refused to follow evidence that may have implicated President Biden. Hunter Biden last month reached a plea deal with prosecutors that would require guilty pleas on two misdemeanor tax charges. I'm Brian Shook. And Jared Kushner, we find out now, has met with the grand jury investigating the aftermath of the 2020 election. Reports say that former President Trump's son-in-law testified in recent weeks along with former Trump aide Hope Hicks. The grand jury is hearing evidence about the January the 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol and the efforts to overturn the results of the election. According to the New York Times, Kushner testified that Trump truly believed that the election had been stolen. I'm Mark Mayfield. 554, let's go out to Westchester. Westchester County rolling out a protection plan to combat the increasing number of fires there caused by lithium-ion batteries, much like it's taking place here in the city. I'm very conscious that we're at the front end of a trend toward uh, more items that are using these types of batteries for electrical purposes. And we also are very mindful of the stories that we've seen in New York and elsewhere. County Executive George Latimer there says proposed legislation would require battery retailers to issue warnings and safety information and prohibit the sale of refurbished or damaged batteries. That's when a lot of times has been causing these deadly fires. The enforcement mechanism here is not intended to punish. It's intended to gain compliance. If we get compliance, then we can avoid the possibility of tragedy. All right, let's go out to Central Park. June Cook from the K-pop group BTS is hitting the stage in Central Park this morning for a free concert. And there's been so many people camping out to see him. People are coming from all over the world hoping to score these free tickets to see him. My sister was here since Monday and I just got here on Wednesday. My whole family came from Mexico to see the concert. He's very talented. He can do anything. He can sing, rap, dance, uh, act, produce. I mean, he's everything. Yeah, fans lining up as early as Monday. It's three, four days of camping. We were just like switching and like bringing each other food and water and like make sure everyone's good. You've been like having like little like, you know, like paper fans. Um, but it is, it's been rough. Yeah, so the tickets are free this morning, and uh, they're going to let these uh, folks in. What was interesting about folks on this line is some of them were had told their parents they were somewhere else. Others had told their bosses they were somewhere else, uh, doing work from home or something like that. So they were covering themselves with umbrellas <laughs> so they couldn't be seen by the camera crews that were up and down watching this thing over the last couple of days because there were so many people in line hoping to see that member of the K-pop group BTS. And finally, strap in for sticker, sh- uh, sticker shock, rather, is Lionel Messi expected to make his inner Miami debut today. Gambling.com's Ian Clampett says tickets were going for a 1000 bucks at one point to see him play, but the prices actually have come down the last couple of days. At the time, the study was was done 
I think Messi, tickets for Messi's game were $307. Yeah, so maybe that's the cheapest one. The only ticket costing more, by the way, right now is the Patriots versus the Eagles in the NFL regular season opening weekend. Um, Messi, of course, just world known. Everybody wants to see him play here in the U.S. Uh, try to get him on the road. It'll be next to impossible to get a cheap ticket there. After, I suppose, crunching the numbers and, and looking at all the ticket prices, there was only one game um, our study that was um, more costly to attend than Messi's debut. Yeah, there was only that. that he's talking about the Patriots versus the Eagles. Uh, he's coming here to play the Red Bulls. And uh, if I had just bought tickets a couple days earlier, they were 100 bucks. I can only imagine what they are right now.